Yo, what up, doggy dogs from the east side? It's the boy, Bill Wild, and up with my sidekick, Ian Wharton. How we doing, boy? Yo. <laughs> I am great, especially hearing that. Well, yes, welcome to our edition of Yo! MTV Raps. Brought to you by Straight Outta Compton. That's that's right. We we're, we're straight out of straight out of Twitter here. Straight out of the NFL. <laughs> Same straight out of Compton. This is straight out of the Gridiron Graduates. Fantastic movie, by the way. If you're on the fence of seeing it, you should definitely see it. I have actually not seen it yet, but you know a lot of people are talking about it, and it certainly seems really popular. So, um, I I found it funny though. Your Dolph, who was it? Dolphins coach Joe Philbin actually said he had never heard of Dr. Dre until he showed his team straight out of Compton. You know, Funky Fresh Joe, is uh, that doesn't surprise me about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he, not exactly the, the coolest guy. In yeah, the he room. certainly seems kind of the old school type guy and not in the uh, rap world or rap sense, That's pop right. culture sense. Yeah. He's an interesting guy, but yeah, I, I saw that too, and I was like, "Man, you're like 55 years old. Like, how, how have you never heard of that era of music? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Especially working around professional athletes, it's kind yeah, of, really, and especially down in Miami, you know. That's, yeah, seems like a lot of you know rap music and whatnot certainly popular down in that area, but hey. To each their own, I guess. Yeah, yep. Uh, in any event, let's let's get down to business for the reason we're actually here. We're not here to talk about rap because I'm not that big into rap, so I wouldn't know much to talk about anyway. Let's actually talk football, shall we? Sounds good. Uh, I think the first thing we should talk about, obviously the big news of the week, Jordy Nelson, Packers wide receiver, out for the season with a torn ACL. Just a terrible injury to you know for such a great player, such unfortunate to see. And I remember sitting there watching the game, watching the play as it happened, and I'm thinking to myself, this is almost exactly like how Reggie Wayne tore his ACL. Like the the image of Reggie Wayne like getting his foot stuck in the turf and then his knee buckling or whatnot. I I just got that image. I'm thinking this is almost similar. I know he was able to jump up and walk off, and he seemed, you know, it was only a little bit of a limp. He seemed fine, but boy, I guess uh, looks can be deceiving. Yeah, they're really, ACLs are really weird because sometimes you'll see that. You'll see guys, like, tear their knees knees to shreds, and, you know, I think he jogged off the field even, Mm -hmm. like, to to the locker room, and um, you would think that that would hurt, but some people, if you talk to some people that have actually had it done, some people say it's one of the worst pains they've ever felt. Some people say it didn't hurt at all. Yeah. Um, I, I, I sure can't explain that. Um, it's definitely devastating though. I mean, what do you think about that receiving core now that they lost basically a top seven receiver in the NFL? Yeah. Losing Jordy, you know, obviously it's going to hurt them because, other, other than Cobb, no one has the talent level of Nelson. No one has really the trust factor that you see between Rodgers and Nelson. But without a doubt, there's still talent on this team. Like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it's a death knell 
for the Packers. You know, you still have Randall Cobb out there, who, as, as we know, is one of the top slot receivers now in the NFL. And boy, does it do the Packers look good now re-signing him before free agency even started? What a you know, how lucky are they to get him back? Um, and then, obviously, Devontae Adams, who a lot of guys, including myself, are really high on. Yep. Uh, I'm really excited to see now what he can do in a featured role. So, you know, there, there's there's still, there's there's replacement, just obviously not at the level of Jordy. And then you have up-and-coming guys like Jeff Janis, who seems to be the favorite of draft Twitter right now. Yeah, especially and, metrics Twitter. It, he, yeah, he's a really interesting case study because, um, and I tweeted this out, and a lot of the same people that went to the Senior Bowl, not this past year but the year before, agreed when I was talking to guys like Jeff Risden, um, Emery Hunt, guys like that. Um, he was really bad. Like Jeff Janis was really bad as like a receiver, and we knew about his freak athleticism, but he didn't play like it. And I worry that he's more of like a shorts and t-shirts guy than a good football player. Um, uh, you know, it's weird. He has like a cult following, so I'll probably get more hate tweets from this. Um, <laughs> I, I got some really surprising responses to, to that. Um, but it, it's whatever. I mean, it doesn't bother me. Like I said, I, I just report on what I saw mm-hmm. watching the guy in college. It is, it, is, it is what he is. If he develops, that's great. But, you know, he's going to produce. He's going to produce if he plays because he's playing with Aaron Rodgers. You know, there's pretty much you plug and play any any old Joe Schmo and they're going to play. And he's just super athletic. So that's going to buy him, you know, some things that, that regular receivers can't do, more physically limited receivers. It's going to buy him, A, one more opportunities, and B, he can he's physically capable of just doing more than maybe more limited players. So I think he... He's not obviously not going to be like Jordy, but I think he he'll be able to fulfill some sort of role for that team. But yeah, I mean it's really interesting because like some people felt that the Packers receiving core is so deep that they're not it's not like a devastating injury. But the reality is, is that if you take out Devontae Adams, they don't have anybody that's played more than like thirty snaps in a game, so they don't have depth. Like yeah, they've got talent. Ty Montgomery was his stock was very low last draft season, mostly because of a really poor senior year um, at Stanford. And then you know I just talked about Janice. I, I think besides, unless if you're a, a metric freak, um, there's no real reason to be overly optimistic about him. I'm like you. I was super high on Devonte Adams. Had him as a top 15 player in last year's draft class, um, which a lot of that was projection because he was pretty raw coming out of Fresno. But um, all of a sudden, you know, I kind of subscribed to that theory at first that, oh, you know, Green Bay is going to be fine. I think they will be okay. But because of Aaron Rodgers and Eddie Lacy and a great offensive line, but there's, I think, more reason to concern for concern than I originally had thought now that I'm I'm really letting it settle in and I've looked at their depth chart. Um, I'd like to see this team either go out and get a guy like James Jones if he's cut in Detroit to kind of add that veteran presence or maybe um, maybe even explore a trade to see if there's a, another veteran that, that can step in quickly into their system and produce. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of in the same boat and thinking that like 
Like they'll still be a Super Bowl contender in my eyes. Just yeah, yeah. Maybe the gap has closed a little bit. Maybe I'm not as sure that they're going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl as I was, say, a couple of weeks ago when we originally made our picks. Um, it's hard too because like the whole NFL just feels so open. Yeah. yeah. Like there's not that many standout teams, and it's. You know, we talked about it before. I feel like San Diego, or I'm sorry, Seattle, may be the best team, but can they do it for a third year in a row? That, that's just yeah. That's the only thing. That's that, a huge question. Yeah, that that's the only thing that kind of holds me back from picking them. Because, I mean, first of all, it's hard to get back to a second Super Bowl in a row. Yeah. Let alone three in a row. Right. You know, because now you really have a target on your back. Um, and things pile up, like injuries. Yeah. We've already seen that with them. Um, they haven't really fixed a lot of their holes offensive line-wise. Right. Um, it's just it's an incredible feat. I mean, when's the last time a team went to three consecutive Super Bowls? It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, I think so, those poor uh, Buffalo Bills yeah, are I the believe, uh, last team to do it. I believe I believe that's correct. Off the top of my head, that sounds that sounds right. So, yeah. Um, Whew. I mean, if they do it, that's just that's just an incredible accomplishment. Yeah, especially so. in today's NFL, right? You know, you know, we talk about just winning one Super Bowl in the salary cap era, right? And now we're potentially talking about a team that can go to three straight. But w- without a doubt, I think these are still the top two teams. Yeah. At least in the NFC. Yeah. You know, I I don't think Philadelphia is up there yet. I don't think Dallas is there yet. Right. There's a lot of talk about Arizona too. I'm just not seeing it yet with Arizona. You know, no. I, I'm I'm still a little skeptical on them, especially with the questions along the offensive line there. You know, Bobby Massey suspended the first couple games. DJ Humphreys is in Bruce Arians doghouse, and he's been in there for seemingly all of camp, which is surprising to me because I was I was a fan of Humphreys coming out of Florida, so to see all these negative reports on him is a little bit surprising to me. Um, and I think interior, they're having problems, too. Yeah, they've so, had some injuries. Ayupati, um out for a few weeks. Ayupati, and, yeah, their their big free agent signing is now out, so there you go. Yeah. Another big I think, hit. I think Humphreys will be okay. Um, I think that I think the plan for him was to start next year anyways when Bobby Massey's gone. Yeah. Uh, in free agency, so, I mean, uh, I don't think that's too worrisome. And he's also adjusting to a new weight. And he didn't have a ton of experience in college either because he had a lot of injury issues. I think he'll be okay. I was I was pretty high on him as well. Um, I think he was my top tackle actually in the in the draft. I I know people like to rush to judgment on a lot of these rookies, but some positions, especially more than others, you just kind of got to give them extra time because they got to adjust to a lot of things. And one of them is simply. Uh, just wait. They need to add strength. They need to adjust their diet and change their lifestyle a little bit. Not that they were living unhealthy before, but it's just a, it's a whole new weight program in yeah. the NFL, and, and you never know what the what the Cardinals want him to do either. So, right. But yeah, that is that is an interesting observation because when they originally drafted him, you're right. There was that talk of is this guy going to start over Massey, and then what's that going to mean for Massey? Um, so it is a little interesting that 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 team is teetering very close to a boomer bust team in my eyes. Like I could see them be, could see them be really good again with Palmer healthy, but 
I also wouldn't be surprised if they really struggle and they're they're really not the standout team that they were last yeah. year. And it's certainly asking a lot for, uh, was he 35 years old, I think? Something like that. A 35-year-old quarterback coming off an ACL tear to really continue to perform at that high level that we've seen. And, and you know, unfortunately, that's always been the problem for Palmer. So many injuries have just really hurt him throughout his career. You know, even going way back to that playoff game against the Steelers. And, you know, that was really the start of the downfall. Um, one thing I do want to talk about a little bit, too, is kind of comparing these two two injuries to these top two receivers. And well, we kind of got into it talking about Green Bay, but, um, yeah, I guess some people have kind of debated a little bit whether uh, Jordy's Nelson, excuse me, Jordy's injury is more detrimental to the Packers or is Kelvin Benjamin's injury more detrimental to the Panthers? Mm. What's your take on that? Uh, it's that's. I'm going to go with Kelvin Benjamin's is more dire um, for the Panthers, and the, and the reason why, and it's a tough choice because. And, and here's the reason why I'm going to go with Carolina and Calvin, because there's so little else around Cam. And all of a sudden, and I think we talked about this before, how when you're elevating the number two receiver to the number one, that's not necessarily the biggest jump on the depth chart. It may be that you're forcing number two, three, four, five up on the depth chart. And are those guys going to be ready to make that big of a jump in production and targets and a role in the offense? And, it's just really hard when that team doesn't have great running back depth. They don't really have a good offensive line in terms of passing the ball. They're not proven in that regard. Um, they're a very good run blocking line, but I think that's a little bit more damaging for what Cam Newton needs to do on a weekly basis. Like we talked about, just talked about with Green, with Green Bay. They'll be able to get by on a weekly basis without Jordy. The question is, can they get over the hump without Jordy? in the playoffs. I think that's their big question. I don't think they're going to be regular season. I don't think it's going to matter that much. Playoffs is where that stuff matters, especially with young receivers. And that's going to be my take. I think they're both pretty, pretty harmful, but I'm going to go with Kelvin right now. Unless if fun just like goes bananas <laughs> for yeah. some reason, but I mean, there's no reason to think he's going to do that well. Right. And I, I, I agree with you there. I, I've said, after Kelvin Benjamin, there's not a whole lot on the Panthers' depth chart, and you brought up a great point. It's, you know, yeah, it's partly Devin Funches, who's still very raw, moving up to the number one role. It's also more Corey Brown moving up, Jericho Kotcher moving up. Yep. You know, can these guys step up in a more featured role? Right. And that's going to be the biggest question. So that's why I think the Panthers are going to be hurting more with Kelvin. And then to compound the problem, they lose Frank Alexander for the season. Yeah, that was um, a bad injury. Yeah, because, you know, they don't have much after him as far as pass rush goes either. And they were already losing out because of Greg Hardy's absence. Which, right. I mean, he missed time last year, but to lose both your starting defensive ends, and, I mean, now you're relying on Coney Ely, who mm -hmm. looked good against the Dolphins, but that's it. I mean, he, he at least was a viable drafted talent 
all of a sudden it's like who lines up across from him that's a legitimate scare. I don't know if they have a legitimate pass rusher. Well, I mean, they have Charles Johnson, of course. Um, but on other situations where, because Ely's kind of a, he's got the pedigree, but he's a little bit more of a run stuffer. Um, so I should, I meant to say Johnson instead of Eli, so Ely, so I apologize. Um, they, who's going to line up again, across from Johnson? Is it going to be Ely on a play-by-play basis? Or, you know, so it's just, it hurts your depth. And, and things like that, I'm starting to be down more on this team on Carolina. Um, all of a sudden, I think that was a, I think I might have even picked them to win the division. If so, I'm starting to lean more toward that might be a top 10 pick team. Yeah. Uh, come the, as the season gets near, I just, it's very hard to be optimistic. I mean, that was a team that was, if the Dolphins and Panthers had played in a regular season game, the Dolphins were up 14. They were on pace to be up 14 nothing in the first quarter while starters were playing. So, I mean, you're looking at possible blowout in that game. And I, I just, it's just really hard for me to see this Panthers team galvanizing with such little talent available. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I see this team maybe as like a, a six-win team, maybe at best now. Yeah. Because um, they're, they're going to have problems getting to the passer now. Uh, and as we talked about, you know, in a division like the NFC South, as weak as it is, you still have, you know, one really good quarterback, a better than average quarterback, and then an up-and-coming rookie yep. as the three guys that they have to go after. So you're going to have problems. That's, that's going to hurt the Panthers, in my view. So let's move on. Speaking of rookies, that was actually a nice little segue there. Uh, the top two quarterbacks were both in action on national TV again. Jameis Winston on ESPN against the Bengals, and Marcus Mariota was on Fox against the Titans. Uh, did you get a chance to see them, and what was your take on the two of them this week? I did, I did. So, first off, I'll start with Jameis, because number one pick, so he's going to go first. Um, I was very impressed with Jameis Winston. This was the guy that we thought he would be coming out and if you were a fan of Jameis Winston this was the game that you wanted to see like this is the performance that you really needed to, to kind of confirm what you had seen in college as far as translating to the NFL we saw pocket presence we saw anticipation I mean his anticipation on crossing routes over the middle downfield up the seam he hit three throws that were just like jaw-dropping that you say, okay, that's a that's the Ben Roethlisberger type pro- prospect that we thought that we had seen at Florida State, um, and that's only on 13 throws, and there were a few drops in there, and he still went eight of 13. So, very impressive performance. Um, his he was overcoming his extended motion, which is very good to see. Again, with anticipation, he has a long delivery. We know that, and that's what's going to get him into trouble at times. However, he was overcoming that. He was throwing, getting the ball out very early, but he knew exactly what was happening. He could read defenders. I was just very impressed with him. He looked like a completely different player uh, from the first week. He looked more poised. He looked ready for the spotlight, and that's all key. That's a big part of it. And I, I think that first game that we saw, um, a big part of it, honestly, was just that he. I think he was flat. I think he was just rattled. I think he wasn't ready for 
what that game was. Um, and that sounds weird because it's preseason and the guy won a national title and all that, but he just looked a lot more calm and a lot more prepared uh, from a mental standpoint. Mariota, I thought, played well. I thought he played better than the first game. He's very accurate. He did well outside of the pocket, did well inside of the pocket for the most part. Um, you can tell his lack of arm strength still. And that's something that maybe hopefully develops over time as his body grows. Um, he has the weight room a little bit, gets a stronger arm because what he does is, especially when he's pressured, he has the tendency to fall away from his throws. He doesn't have the arm strength to do that and get away with it. He should have been picked off twice, uh, by my count. And he got, he was able to get away with it. Now it's okay because, you know, stat book didn't say he didn't throw him. So, and, and again, he did stick several throws. My only concern with him is moving forward is to continue to make those tight throws. Don't be afraid to make those tight throws. Um, you just have to beat it. You have to beat good coverage with either anticipation or great accuracy. And so that's going to require him to have very tight mechanics. So it was a good performance. I didn't think it was a great performance, especially for um, compared to Winston, who just really blew the doors off the off the entrance. So um, it was encouraging for both, but a little bit more encouraging for for Winston, especially because he had the I thought he had the rougher debut. Yeah, and, and I thought they both played well too. I you know I'll, I'll mention on Mariota. Um, I think one of the things for me is he's at least starting to show what that he can do some of the things that some of his biggest biggest critics were really questioning and, and I know this is going to mm. sound really basic but you know he's showing he can you know control a huddle and call plays in a huddle he can take snaps under center he can play at a slower tempo you know he doesn't necessarily have to be the high-speed, up-tempo offense. He, he can slow it down if he needs to. And, you know, for a lot of the naysayers, those were the biggest gripes against him. So at, at least at the very core, he's showing he could do that, and that's something he can build on. Uh, he, he should have had a touchdown as well, but Dexter McCluster flat-out dropped it. Yeah. Um, but you're right, he did have that one th- bad throw that should have been intercepted, and he got away with it. But, but overall, you know, certainly certainly taking strides, certainly making improvements, and should be good to go for the season. I I will say this on the Titans, too. I'm not completely, but starting to come around a little bit on them as a team, you know, more so on the defensive line. I I thought the defense played pretty well. Granted, the Rams' offensive line isn't the greatest, but it was still encouraging to, you know, see the Titans get penetration, get pressure, um, and Nick Foles was Nick Foles. Oh, so my goodness, that interception throw! Uh, that, yeah, uh, to Parrish Cox. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yikes. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they won't be as bad as I initially thought. I still think they're a ways away from being playoff contenders, but you know, they they might keep some games competitive. They. Yeah, they might hang in there a little bit. Uh, as far as Jameis and the Bucks, you know, again, he like like you said, he made great throws. He is really starting to handle himself well, and 
I'm certainly excited to see really what both of these guys are going to do this week as we come to dress rehearsal week. Uh, of course, if there's any week to be any bit excited about the preseason, it's this week since we'll actually get to see the starters play. Yep. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And for you for this week, um, how do you feel about this week? I mean, I'll give you an example because some people feel like this is really the week where you should be playing your guys two, two or three quarters, and and that's very important. And 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 then some people feel like it's very situation driven because if you look at a situation like Miami, they're going to be probably starting. Dallas Thomas at left tackle because their top two left tackles are hurt. Um, Brandon Albert and Jason Fox. That's going to leave Ryan Tannehill to play multiple quarters with someone who hasn't played left tackle in a long time, possibly compromising his health or, you know, it could be worse too. It could be a tropical storm in my, in Miami that, that night. I know that it's, it's very possible that that'll happen for, for teams. Do you feel like the risk is worth, getting into a quote-unquote rhythm, which really there's there's no proof of that. It's just really something that we feel is real. Yeah. But uh, where do you come out on that? And, um, you know, it was interesting. We kind of saw something like this last week when there, it was reported that Green Bay was initially going to put out their starters for about a half. Yep. Kind of dialed that back a bit when uh, Don Barclay was inserted as the starting left tackle uh, instead of David Bakhtiari. First off, woof, was he bad. Yeah, he was. Um, but to get back to the question, you know, I, I could, I, I, I see your point as far as, you know, if it's not necessarily the quote-unquote starting unit that you're going to go into, you know, maybe you look at it and say, okay, you know, like you mentioned with Ryan Tannehill, how much do we want to risk him getting out there? Because I, I guess to play a little devil's advocate here, when we talk about the rhythm we get into and this being the dress rehearsal, you still have a whole week and a half before uh, you play a meaningful game. Yeah. And, you know, because obviously next week these starters are barely going to play at all. Yeah, you know, at most, all. Maybe, yeah, like yeah. two series at most, a lot one, some won't even play. So I guess it can be situation-based. You know, like you look at the team like the Eagles, I guess a lot of people are going to be wondering how much are you going to want to put Bradford out there. Because uh, you know, last week he was just getting his feet wet, finally getting on the field. He's only out there for one series. Yeah. So how how much do you push it this week, especially against a team like the Packers? Right. Well, in my opinion, I think that it's going to be a good matchup for the Eagles, especially their defense. You know, the talk was, you know, this revamped secondary. Well, here you go. You get a chance to defend Randall Cobb. You get a chance to defend Devontae Adams. Yep. So Aaron Rodgers, yep. So it's a good test going into the season, but so I, I can see where you're coming from as far as looking at how your team is right now, and then kind of going with a little bit of game plan as far as how much do you want to push your starters to try to minimize the risk of them getting hurt um, 
before the regular season starts. And to that note, I think for those that are saying that are using the Jordy injury to argue that the preseason should be shortened, I think is silly. Yeah. I mean, injuries like this can happen anytime. We saw it with the yeah. Kelvin Benjamin injury. It was a non-contact injury during practice. Yeah. So are we saying practices should be cut? Yeah, I thought that was pretty ridiculous, too. I I had seen people suggesting that, and I mean, I think you're just missing the point if you're suggesting that. I mean, it, you could get hurt doing anything. I mean, it's just like anything yeah. in life. You could die doing anything. I mean, that's it may sound sad and morbid, but I mean, it doesn't take some crazy event to get hurt. It doesn't matter whether you're an athlete. It doesn't matter if you're not an athlete. You know, whatever your situation, it's it doesn't take much. And so you could be, casually be working at your job and yeah. you know one false step or whatever and yeah you're something hurt, happens. So, yeah. Yep. Orlando Scandrick was the same way. So I for the record I'm with you. I, I, I think it's I think you play your guys. I don't think you worry about the injuries. Um, obviously you don't want to show them unnecessary risk. Um, but these guys still need to play. The only way that they're going to really yeah, get better. Yeah, they need the reps, tonight. absolutely. And especially if you look at, you know, Philadelphia's situation, I was a little disappointed that all they gave was Brad, Brad, Bradford's one series. Um, you know, he looked okay. He wasn't as sharp as I think that he will be. And I think that's that's really the hope for them is that he will gradually improve mm-hmm. week by week by week. I, I think that's fair to expect, and, and it's, it's definitely what I'm counting on and why I picked them to, to go to the Super Bowl. But... Um, it is very situational based, but I, I think you play. I think that that's the point of the game and you overcome adversity. You know, guys are going to get hurt. And the question is not if you're going to get hurt. The question is when you're going to get hurt. When and how and can, that's right. And, and how can you overcome those obstacles when you're, when that happens to your team? I mean, trust me, no one wants to, wants these injuries to happen. However, I, in the same breath, I refuse to feel bad. Because they happen. It's a, I mean, it's just it, you're at an increased risk playing these games. Um, when you're that big, your tendons don't grow. So you're putting all that stress on your body. Something's bound to happen at some point. So the guys that get, get away with 15-year careers healthy are extremely lucky. I mean, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got guys like Frank Gore who have had huge injury issues and yet they're still surviving they're still plugging away so um i'm with you i think if it's now if it's going to miami miami specific example you know if it's if it's tropical storm level i don't put my starters on the field for very long because i don't want any you know that's that to me is extra exposure yeah but but just in general though i mean one player being hurt leading to you know, should I not play this guy? I don't. I don't think that that should be the case. Yeah, because, and and that's kind of thing. Like, if if you go into a game scared, you're gonna get hurt. You're gonna that's get when hurt. You're gonna get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. You yep. know, if if you go if you play at full speed, you know, you're hitting at full speed, running at full speed, and whatnot, you'll be fine. You know, that that's something I learned when I, I mean played a little bit, you know, put air quotes around the word play, uh, high school football, but that, that's something you learn, you know, if you, if you go full speed, you're going to be fine, and yeah. if something happens, well, 
that's unfortunate, but you know it's bound to happen, and you know the risk going in. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're no no one can ever sit there and say, oh yeah, I'm never gonna get hurt. You know. I'm, right. I mean, if if a guy like Adrian Peterson, who's like a god amongst men as far as how athletic he is and how in shape he is, if a guy like him can get hurt, then <laughs> the rest you know, of us mortals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you know. Hopefully, though, I, I will say, hopefully, we've reached the end of uh, these major injuries because I mean, we're seeing we're seeing guys go down that could affect the championship picture. Yeah, you know, Skandrick going down, I think, only really hurts Skandrick's Cowboys. Dallas, yes. Yeah, big time. That, that's a huge loss. That was their best secondary member. Um, and all of a sudden, it's kind of like Philadelphia, where you lose Ja'Cory Shepard, you lose um, Brandon Boykin. It's a trade, obviously not injury, but, I mean, what's it, there's no real difference in terms of this year, why they lost him. Um your depth gets quick, gets tested quickly, and and hopefully, for just for the sake of com- of competition and quality play, hopefully that that trend can uh, comes to a grinding halt. Yeah, I think that's why we don't wish you know for these big name injuries, and I think that's another reason why people are so harped up about you know the using the Jordy injury to shorten the preseason because it's such a big name. Yeah. As Jordy Nelson. And I hate to say it too, and. I think that fantasy football plays a big part of that. Yeah, it, it does. Uh, You're right. And I will also say, though, I'm, I don't blame the people that express disappointment for fantasy reasons. Um, now, I will say, I think it, it's, it should be implied that we all care about, at least somewhat care about Jordy's health, you know, as like on a personal level. Oh, like, yeah, him, yeah. I, I mean, agree. even if you don't like them, it would be ridiculous to be rooting for someone to get hurt. Right. So assuming that I'm, I'm going to assume that people are decent and don't, I give them the benefit of the doubt. Like if someone says something about their fantasy team being affected by an injury, I take the benefit of the doubt and I say, okay, I'm assuming that you also care that, you know, and hope that that person gets well just for their own good. But, uh, in general, though, it does not bother me when people make a complaint because of their injury, you know, because of their fantasy football. Because we need to realize fantasy football is a huge form of entertainment, and it's a, it's a huge hobby for people. I mean, people care about it uh, on, a, on, a main, on a very mainstream level. So yeah. I think it is a very serious thing that that's, it's an e-sport, and, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm not a huge fantasy player myself because, I mean, I've had some very bad luck in recent years. <laughs> As far as keepers and, <laughs> whew, I, I don't even want to tell those horror stories, but, but yeah, definitely. So I, I just wanted to mention that because it seems like whenever someone gets hurt, especially a playmaker, people get more worked up about people complaining about fantasy football injuries. Yeah. Then I actually see people complaining about fin- about fantasy football injuries. It's it's the weirdest thing, you know. It's one of those things where everyone's complaining that people are complaining about it, but I literally don't see people complaining about it unless if it's just like really crazy fans or something. Yeah. Um, I, I do have to note that I was just in a draft uh, about two weeks ago. With You know, it's just a, kind of funly with a bunch of bunch of friends online. Uh, I had actually taken Jordy Nelson. Oh, no. <laughs> but 
all was not lost because I had the turn pick. You know, my keeper was Le'Veon Bell, and then I had the turn pick. Uh, to pair with Jordy Nelson, I took Randall Cobb. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, I was made out I was like, you know what? I'll I'll take Jordy, and I'll take Randall as well. I'll take give me the whole Packers offense. <laughs> so. So it stings, yeah, but it doesn't hurt too bad because I was just able to slot in a guy like Keenan Allen. And I also had, uh, I have Allen Robinson uh, and a couple other guys. So Vic, I, I got Victor Cruz late. Nice. So. Actually, like a number of these guys are guys I just added to my team uh, on a recent draft as well. So, yeah. and, and Cruz is interesting too because you know, we're not going to get too deep into fantasy, but depending on what, what site you're using, he's buried. In, in yeah. the wide receiver queue, I know on ESPN he is at least, and I think he's in like 125 or something. I mean, yeah, he's had injury issues, but for the same price, you're not going to find a running back or a wide receiver with a similar upside as Victor Cruz. I mean, right. let's realize for a second, this is a number one receiver when he's when he's good and ready to go, he's a big time impact player. So yeah, if you're if, if your draft's coming up, add him to your queue. And wait around until like, I don't know, ninth, tenth round. You may be able to steal a starting caliber receiver um, when all of your opponents are taking number two and number three receivers on other teams. Or if they're being even sillier and taking kickers and defenses, but hey, that's their business. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, even just from go, before, be, go ahead and take the top defense. Yeah, that's that's fine with like. me. I, I say you know you guys gladly take a defense in round nine. I'll scoop up these players, but. <laughs> Even from an on-field standpoint, like it's almost like people are forgetting. Like, yeah, he's coming off the injury, but it's almost like we're forgetting how good of a player he was before he got injured. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He was so good. I mean, yeah, Odell Beckham kind of has a little bit to do with that, but sure. You know, for as good as old Odell Beckham is, you know, is is he going to be able to do it on his own? Yeah, and it's a scary trio they've got there too because Ruben Randall. Ruben Randall's a pretty decent threat as well. Yeah. I uh, definitely can't count him out, and he's, he's definitely forgotten that as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a big, and that, I think that's as a third receiver, mm-hmm. that'll really be- benefit him because he doesn't have to get the pure volume of those first two receivers in that offense, but yeah. he can still make a pretty big impact as a third guy. And, and I tell you what, starting to become an underrated fourth receiver for them is James Jones. You know, there's a lot of rumblings now that James Jones is actually going to stick on the roster as the fourth receiver. Yeah, so, yeah. He's played know, really well in preseason. Yeah. You know, he he's not a starting caliber receiver. We saw that last year in Oakland. Yeah. But he could still be a viable third, fourth receiver. So you're talking about a, a solid four-deep lineup at receiver for the New York Giants. It's just a shame the rest of the roster is pretty down. Yeah. You're talking O-line, D-line, and just about it, especially at safety. Yeah. You know, when you take Brandon Merriweather of all people, True. you know you have problems. Times are rough. Times are rough. It's one of the shallowest positions in the NFL. Yep. And uh, definitely seeing the effects of it there. And also seeing it in Oakland where they picked up Taylor Mays, who's been yep. a major uh, disappointment for, for some, considering his his pedigree. I mean, what is this? Already his third month, third team in about three months. Yeah. You know, cut from the Vikings, just cut from the Lions. Yeah. Probably won't make the Raiders. Uh, It'd be be hard to see why he'd make that team. It's just, 
but he was good. He was a good college player, and I think that's something nice to fall back on. And um, you know, he has that connection now with uh, Ken Norton as defensive coordinator. That's true, and, and maybe they use him like that. Yeah, and they could use him maybe more like a linebacker role, which is kind of interesting because they have Malcolm Smith as well. Don't forget that they picked him up from Seattle this offseason, and he's kind of a Taylor Mays-type player, um, undersized linebacker, more of a coverage player um, than he is like a, a, a necessarily like a traditional linebacker, uh, which is kind of going to be like Taylor Mays. He's more of a linebacker than a traditional defensive back type of player. So it's, it's just kind of interesting to see what they've got there, and I'll be interested to see if he makes that final roster because – you're right, he does have a relationship there. Maybe that'll play a big part mm-hmm. into him sticking on the roster. Yeah. And let's change gears a little bit. I guess we'll stick on the subject of these veterans moving on because, you know, injuries being a big part of the news this week, but certainly veteran players signing new deals uh, also helped make news this week, including one, one certain quarterback that uh, we hadn't heard from in a while that – all of a sudden pops up and is back in the NFL and that's sexy Rexy, Rex Grossman signing with the Falcons. I find that quite interesting that uh, the Falcons go out and pick him up, but I guess they're not too thrilled with their backup quarterback situation right now. That was really surprising to see. I know the Browns were talking about uh, possibly signing him last year um, and they never did obviously, but yeah, it's 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 bottom of the barrel out there. You know, I just did an article on the top free agents um, at the quarterback position. I'm sorry, not free agents. The top uh, trade values, I should say, uh, as backup quarterbacks around the league, and and it's it's a tough market out there. I mean, Zach Mettenberger, Mike Glennon, are I think are the two obvious guys because of their age. Um, Derek Anderson is another possibility. Chase Daniel. Kansas City, but um, yeah, I mean, there's there's not really any long-term starters in that, I don't think, unless if we see a surprising turn of events for Mettenberger or, or Glennon, which I mean, I, I'm not, I wasn't high on those guys coming out of college, so I'm I'm going to be a little bit more pessimistic on them, anyways. But um, it'll be interesting to see because I I don't know if he makes the roster, but it all depends. I mean, that's a team that's trying to make the playoffs, and I, I guess if you're if you want to win a game or two, if Matt Ryan gets hurt, some people believe in veterans more than young guys. So that'll be interesting to see. It's definitely a surprising pickup, though. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then another veteran that just gets picked up this week is Mike Vick, signing yep. with the Steelers. Uh, they go after, go out and sign him after Bruce Gradkowski gets hurt in the preseason game. Um, and just qu- quick note, there were injuries galore in that game. What a mess. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Nelson. Marquise Pounce, he's probably on his way to IR reserved. Yep. Um, I think Demarius Randall got hurt in that game. So it, it was just amazing. But Mike Vick now the guy. Uh, probably, he'll probably end up the number two. He pro- I think, yeah, he probably will be the number two because Lord knows uh Landry Jones ain't getting up there anytime soon. No, no, he's looked really bad. He has, so... Yeah, I think it's safe to assume that Mike Vick immediately slots in, which means he's one... He's poss- he's essentially one play away from stepping in as a starter for the Steelers if Big Ben, God forbid, knock on wood, yeah. it, it doesn't happen. But if Big Ben goes down, 
Oof, Mike Vick's your starter, and uh, good luck I don't with know. that. Yeah, good luck with that. He looked really bad last year. Hey. Took a ton of sacks. Put the ball out there for basically anybody to have it between fumbles and interceptions. So yeah, I mean, he's a mess. He's he, uh, whew. you could argue he hasn't looked good since that magical 2010 season with the Eagles. Yeah, and I totally, I would totally agree. He, he could argue that. You know, the reason he was so good in that 2010 season was because no one could prepare for him. Because if you recall, Kevin Cobb was a starter going into 2010, and then he suffers the concussion mm. in the opener against Green Bay and steps Mike Vick. And all of, a sudden, <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, this this team is blowing up. They make it to the playoffs. Of course, they almost they could also thank Deshaun Jackson with that... Uh, punt return against the Giants for getting into the playoffs too but then you know things fell apart in the playoffs and then it's been downhill for the Eagles well or I should say downhill for Mike Vick since then so you know if Big Ben were to go down I think the Steelers are in a little bit of trouble especially with you know we, we just mentioned the injury to Marquise Pouncey so you're going to have a bit of questions there in the middle of the, the, or the offensive line you still have some questions on the O-line. You know, can Bud Dupree, who has played a little bit better as the games have gone on, but can he do it on a consistent basis during the regular season? So, you know, hopefully Ben stays up there and Mike's just there to hold the clipboard. Um, and then another, another veteran we'll talk about a little bit too is Evan Mathis, yep. who reportedly turned down a million and a half more from another team to sign for potentially $4 million with the Broncos. And I actually saw some of your tweets about this. You're not so sold (laughs) that uh, he actually did turn down money from another team. I, I'm not, and and here's why. I mean, Drew Rosenhaus has a good relationship with um, the Miami Dolphins. Several of his clients, high-priced clients, uh, have signed with the Dolphins, the big money deals. And even in the past when they haven't signed, when it's his guys, he's used Miami as leverage before in the media. He said that, you know, Miami's interested or and what is and what not. And that's not always the case. Miami... It's normal for Miami to get used like that because they're often the big spender um, on the market, and they usually come in high with a good offer. But um, that wasn't the case with Mathis. I know that. I can tell you that right now. Miami was never going to spend that much on Mathis. They were never um, going to. They were never going to sacrifice next year's cap space for him. They don't have much to begin with, and they like their guards. They like their young guards. They are subscribing to the draft and develop method unless if you can get a guy like Indomitian Sue in free agency, which they did, and they were never going to blow their load on uh, on Evan Mathis. So so I can tell you that right now, that uh, Miami was not the team that was um, – and that was that was really the team that was hyped up to be the big spender on him. So, and, and at 30 – in his mid-30s, it does not make sense for a non-competitive team to offer him $5.5 million this year. Right. It just doesn't. There's, it makes no sense, um, especially when no one tried to trade for him in Philly if Chip was not lying on that. And there's no reason to think that he is. 
Um, and here's the thing too, is the only reason people know about Evan Mathis, he's a very good player, but pro football focus is really the reason why people love Evan, Evan Mathis and have this envy of having Evan Mathis on their team. He's a good player. He's not a flashy player. He does his job every play. He's very consistent. However, he's not like this power, crazy, great guard that you think of when you think of, you know, top-level guards. So it just doesn't make sense to me that there was actually a team trying to match his price tag when the whole reason he left Philadelphia was to get a bigger contract. I think he was just trying to save face because, remember, Philadelphia is a contender. Say what you will, and I don't care if he didn't get along with Chip or if Chip didn't like him. If he was that great or if he was worth that money, it would they would have made it work. You know? Yeah. We've seen it before. You deal with malcontents, you put up with it, and then you let him go eventually. Mm-hmm. So I, it just it smells fishy to me. And people saying, well, he said it. You know, Evan Mathis was the one that said it. He obviously told all these reporters because every single reporter and their mother tweeted that that he had that offer. So all that tells me is that he to- he says it. That doesn't mean it's true. Now I'm not saying it's not true either, but I'm not I'm not going to sit here and buy that that crap. Yeah. I think the only teams that were going after him were contenders, and that two and a half million dollar guaranteed salary is probably what most teams were offering. And you know. I guess again to play a little devil's advocate on Mathis, he he was holding out too. Yeah. You know, it's not like he was out there, you know, every day in practice. Now the reports were that he was eventually gonna make his way back, but we don't know that for sure. Right. You know, we can't sit here and speculate. You know, like the day he got cut, we can't sit here and say, well, the next day or the next week he was gonna show up. Right. So. You know, if he was unhappy with his contract, fine, it's understandable. Um, but that's on him. Yeah, and and again, you know, I'm not I'm tr- not trying to be negative on the guy, but it, it's not like he'd been an outstanding guard his entire career. You know, he right. he was a decent guard, not great, when he was in Cincinnati. Yep. Um, he was in t- my he was in Miami previously too, and he was. Just a practice squad player. He was a washout. He was nothing special. So, but it, it, it's funny that actually that actually turned out to be one of the hits, the very few hits, for the Eagles when they had that big free agency splurge of 2011, after the lockout ended. You know, the one that included Namdi Asamoah, Dominic Rogers, Cromartie, mm. and all that good stuff. He wound up being one of the few hits of that free agent haul. Um. But as far as where he did land in Denver, I think is really good because, to me, it felt nah. I, I'll admit, I didn't. I don't know how well their guards have been playing up to this point. The guards that they're currently in right now. But I remember tweeting that I think this is going to fill the void left by Orlando Franklin. You know, I think Mathis can step in in this kind of system as a zone-blocking team and be productive for the Broncos, especially for a guy like C.J. Anderson in the backfield. And, 
you know, there's reports now that maybe, uh, was it, I think Ronnie Hillman is who they're saying. Yeah, could Ronnie like Hillman. The 1B. Some, yeah. Someone was saying, I think it was Ronnie Hillman could be the 1B to C.J. Anderson's 1A. Um, so, so in that sense, you know, especially for a team that's going to run the ball more under Gary Kubiak. Yeah. You know, Peyton Manning's almost 40 years. He's, what, 39 now, I think, 38. You're not going to let him continue to sling the ball, you know, especially after what we saw at the end of last season. Uh, granted, he might be healthy now, but, you know, I I guess they just don't want to worry having that image from last season. They just don't want to see that repeat itself. So for a team that's going to be... I would imagine more run focus. I think it's a good pickup for Denver to get him for as cheap as they did. Oh yeah, because it definitely makes sense from a football standpoint. That's, right, that's a huge upgrade. Yeah, because and because he made because uh, I don't know what the percentage. I didn't see the details. I just saw that it's you know, I guess if he plays a certain amount of snaps or certain percentage of snaps, he'll bump up to four million. Mm. You know, the base is two and a half. It could earn up to four million, which isn't bad and obviously Denver's a contending team. You know, I still feel this is a kind of a make or break season for Denver, but without yeah. a doubt they're still a contender. For sure. So, um so I guess one more thing, we'll just talk quick about the upcoming preseason schedule and kinda what we're looking forward to. So what are you excited to see this week? Um, you know, I'm going to be looking for teams. I'm going to be looking again, still going to be looking at the young quarterbacks. Um, Winston, Mariota, that's, those are really my focus. Um, I'm also going to be looking at guys like Vic Beasley. I want to see how Vic Beasley's progressing. He, uh, he played very well, uh, last week. I think he's starting to really look like that stud that a lot of us felt like he was going to be. Um, obviously it's early to see, you know, we'll see if, if he ends up doing, doing that regular season. Um, he's definitely a guy I'm going to be watching. I'll be watching, um, other intriguing offenses around the league. I want to see the Eagles. I want to definitely see how Sam Bradford looks. I'm very intrigued in him. Um, I, like I said before, I, I was a fan of his in, in St. Louis. So I want to see if he can get back to, um, his max potential and talent. Um, and then kind of, we'll see, I want to see Jared Hain as well, the running back phenomenon that's happening out in San Francisco. That's, yeah, what a story that's become. Yeah, absolutely. Guy is a, a ton of fun to watch. Tremendous return, man. Uh, he's proving to be thus far. So I'm really interested to see him, to see what, uh, if he can continue at his rate. Um, who will you be looking for? Um... Just kind of scrolling through the game, certainly some interesting matchups. Uh, Jets-Giants always playing this week. It's always fun when those two get together. In this season, they play in the regular season, so that'll be fun. Uh, you mentioned Vic Beasley. He's actually facing the Dolphins, so you'll yeah. definitely get a chance to see uh, Vic there. Uh, I guess you look at a team like the Panthers, just cont continue to see how they play without Kelvin Benjamin. They go up against the Patriots. We get to see the Jaguars on CBS this week. 
against the Lions, so we'll get a chance to see Blake Bortles, and hopefully he continues to develop. Um, and, yeah, I guess just some of the young guys, you know, I, I keep mentioning Teddy Bridgewater just because I'm a huge fan of Teddy, and I love watching how he plays and just rooting for him. Uh, they're at Dallas this week. And then certainly the Eagles, like you mentioned. You know, like like I mentioned earlier, I think this is a real good test for this Eagles team, both on offense and defense, because the Packers certainly have a really good defense, and then obviously the we all know about the offense. You know, even without Jordy Nelson, they they still have some tough receivers and tough offensive weapons that they have to go up against. Um, and a guy like Byron Maxwell. Is he going to, especially now with Jordy gone, is he going to shadow Randall Cobb? Or is he going to stay to one side? So that, that'll be interesting to see. And then I guess on Sunday you got a pair of national games. The Texans, the Texans play the Saints. We just saw, we know now that Brian Hoyer has been named the starter. So here's his chance to go out and show why he was named the starter. I still think Mallet eventually will make his way into the starting line because I think you want to see what you have in him, especially after you traded for him. And then we talked about the Cardinals. They go up against the Raiders. So Certainly this is the week that's interesting to watch because, as we mentioned, this is the quote-unquote dress rehearsal for the regular season. So it's certainly going to be a fun time to watch. And I guess with that, I think we'll uh, wrap it up. I think, as always, got some good info out there and another good good hour talk there. Absolutely, absolutely, and we're just that much closer. That much closer to these games really counting. Yep. Just uh, two more weeks of preseason, and then two weeks tomorrow is the opener. And I think we talked about this yesterday or last week. This Sunday is the first college game of the season featuring North Dakota State, so boy, it's getting close. Definitely watch for North Dakota State's uh, quarterback, Carson Wentz, and their left tackle, Mike Hogue. Those are two two NFL prospects. I'll be charting uh, Carson Wentz that night. I won't be able to do it live, but I will be able to do it that night. So definitely keep a watch out if you want to see one of the top ten quarterback prospects in the country. There you go. And early look at the 2016 draft from our boy Eaton. Uh, so until next week, as always, thanks so much for listening. Glad, glad you did, and hope you enjoy. Check us out on iTunes, and then as always, hit us up on Twitter. For my buddy Ian Wharton, I am Bill Rossetti. We will t- see you next time on the Gridiron Graduates. Take care, my friends. <laughs>